I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. I hope you're all doing well. So, today's episode is great. It's great not because of me. It's great because today's guest, today's guest is Councillor uh, Denise Devonish. Uh, for those who may not be aware of Denise's work, we well, obviously we're going to talk about it at length throughout the duration of this podcast. Um, an absolutely fascinating uh, discussion, this one. Chose some amazing records. Um, and I guess if you're growing up in a house that is not just home it's also uh your father who's uh adrian sherwood's uh studio and record label there's some interesting things are going to be uh going on in your day-to-day life which we talk about and it's it's it's, it's absolutely beautiful um denise was so much fun uh really interesting and all the things that she's drawn from her journey which we talk about on this podcast she now uses uh in her role uh, offering counselling within the music industry. I won't say too much more um, because Denise uh, elaborates on this as as, as we chat. Uh, it's a fascinating story and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get on with it, I just want to say um, thanks to Screwbiz Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this. Um, and also, if you enjoy this and it's the first one you've listened to, um, please go and have a look in the, the back catalogue because you'll... Um, You'll see at least sort of 90 episodes now with um, some amazing musicians, producers, actors, artists, all people that have had a, a fascinating creative journey. And uh, and this episode is certainly uh, one of those. Um, as well as that, if you really enjoy this and you want to support this podcast, I also have a Patreon page. Uh, and over there I put out another episode each week. Uh, so you can go over there and get extra content and support the podcast whilst you're doing that. Um, and if you do see the podcast um, on the social media platforms, give us a like, a love, a, a share, a retweet, um, because it all helps. Okay, let's get back to the job at hand. Uh, please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful Denise Devonish. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. 
what else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording for the second time because I've just been chatting away <laughs> and realised that uh, the second mic wasn't on and we've been going for 10 minutes. Um, so welcome to today's episode. We are in the WeWork building in East London. It feels really strange saying this now because I've said it. It's like Groundhog Day. I said it about five minutes ago. Um, but sitting opposite me is uh, Denise Devonish. Hello again. Hello again. <laughs> yeah. We just got to trust. Okay, so <laughs> um, we've already had a, a, a recorded chat uh, about the fact that you'd discovered this podcast when you saw previous guests, Adam Fisett, for yes. your baby shambles. Yes. Um, because you both work in uh, the music industry still, but in a very different mm-hmm. um, place. As therapists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I want to know uh, lots about, and we will get on to, to doing that. And I've mentioned as well... Uh, that you'd also got lots of kind of... I like to join the dots on this. And yeah. uh, one of the recent guests was Adamski, who you yeah. also know, who yeah. has been working on some reworkings of Killer, I believe, for the 30th anniversary. Yes. Um, with your dad with and my producer, dad. Yeah. Adrian Sherwood. He's his neighbour. He's like, you know, five minutes down the road in and Ramsgate, yeah. So you was telling me that <laughs> Ramsgate's... Is Ramsgate the new Margate? <laughs> I think so, yeah, it's kind of happening there, it's vibey. There's lots of, um, uh, yeah, creatives, musicians, artists, yeah, it's a good vibe. Does it appeal to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah and no, you know, there are, there are cool people and not so cool people, yeah. as with anywhere, I guess. It's lovely being by the sea, um, there's the Ramsgate Music Hall, it's really cool. It's are like you down there as well then? No, 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 right. I live in... Turnpike Lane in North yeah. London, but my dad's there, so we go, right. my brother and my sister, and, you know, we go and visit a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I've considered moving there, but um, kind of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in London and I'm not. I'm just so used to it, I don't know how to leave it. Yeah. I I feel a bit. You're probably not alone in that mindset. Yeah, yeah. Track one, Denise. Yeah. The song with the greatest ever intro. So... I put down fairy tales because my goddaughter is uh, the intro. So she she's pretending to say, you know, can you can you read me a story, mummy? And it's just so cute. And and because I was saying before, I started making this album such a long time ago. She's ten now, and she must have only been four when um, my my mate, who's you know her her father. Um, recorded her saying, can you read me a story, mummy? Just because the track's all about, um, yeah, fairy tales and how they can mislead, uh, especially young girls, into, yes, uh, striving for things that won't necessarily make you happy. But that's in the song. And, yeah, that's one of the tracks from an album that I've recorded with my dad, which has been uh, a lot of fun and, and taken a long time and is finally finished um, don't even know what I think about it anymore. None of us do because we've heard it so much. And there's like 40 tracks we haven't used. That's how much stuff we wow. have, we've how made. Taken? Well, I'm 35 now. My maths is terrible. I started recording it when I was 17. Seriously? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I never wanted to be a singer. Yeah. And, and, and I feel kind of guilty saying that because people, the opportunities I had, I think it was like, well, you're gonna, obviously you're going to go into it. You know, all your family's in the music industry. Um, I was surrounded by incredible musicians um, and talent, and, and I had opportunities. Um, did you feel a weight of expectation uh, to do that? I did, actually. I think, I think on reflection, yeah, I realised I, I thought it was what I should do, but um, I never really wanted it. I love singing mm-hmm. for fun, and, and I've, 
I don't know, maybe if I was slightly intimidated too, because you know, there's a high caliber of musicians around me, incredible root singers, uh, folk, uh, singers from across genres just, you know, were in my house because my, my dad ran um, his studio <clears throat> from my home always. Mm. Um, so, and the label was upstairs when they were together. Um, so I would just, I'd come back in from school and walk in on <laughs> all kinds of incredible musicians um, and singers just doing their thing in the front room, you know, and then we'd have dinner. <laughs> so how is that? For a young Denise's life at that point, mm. as much as that may have seemed, I presume that felt quite normal to you because that was home. Was you aware that it was different to probably lots thing. of your school friends? When I, when I, yeah, I mean, it was normal to me as a baby and a toddler and, you know, look back at pictures, it was very normal for me. Um, you know, it was, you know, it's almost showy off. People had like Lee Perry in my front room, you know, when I was a toddler. And I remember one of my earliest memories is him terrifying me because he was probably slightly pissed at the time and, uh, when he was drinking and, um, you know, was <laughs> making all these shapes on the wall and I, I, I was fascinated by him and also terrified. And uh, yeah, all of that was really normal. Um, it was loads of people, not getting, but incredible people. And that went on to do, you know, really important things in the industry. And uh, then later when I moved... So my Did you, was you aware of the enormity of it? No, not, no, no, not until... Uh, no, beca and because they were friends, they were family friends, they sure. were uncles and... Yeah. Um, I didn't see it as weird, but it's an interesting point because when I got to primary school and I'd go to other people's houses for dinner, yeah. play dates, it's like, this is really different. Yeah. It was really quiet and um, my idea of normal changed. And then I would compare and then I felt really different. And I think that that's something that I've, I've battled with a lot. And um, different. Yeah. And trying to understand how I fit in. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm mixed... My mother's Japanese, my, my father's English, and I definitely gravitated more towards um, people at school that, that were mixed-raced and black and, you know, alternative and other, because I, I realised I identified with that and I didn't really feel comfortable. I, you know, my dad and mum chose to raise me in Muswell Hill, which is very white middle class. Um, and all these things, you know, you realise over time. But um, it was very special, and it, and it, and it was also kind of chaotic and, and difficult at times um, and partly why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I saw people struggling too. Um, people passed away, that kind of substance mm -hmm. misuse issues. And, um, yeah, and a lot went on, as it does in anybody's life. And so, so the surroundings in my home reflected that and, and encompassed that in beautiful and in, and in sad ways. Um, and um, yeah, I'm I'm very thankful for it all, and it's difficult to describe because it's it's in me, it's kind of moulded yeah. me in many ways. Do you think it's something that? Well, I tell you what, we pick up on that as we <coughs> work we work through the timeline of this podcast. Yeah. But, um, for track two. Yeah. Um, the first thing I remember hearing Denise it had a, an emotional impact on you. <laughs> yeah, untold stories, Bertie Banton. I just came to me. I don't know where it is. I think it must have been in a car with my pops because, you know, often we, we like, I was, um, I'm a very close to them. I always have been kind of like best mates, you know, and I always remember being in the car and doing big drives. And for some reason, I just, I can just hear that playing in my head. Yeah. So I just tried to do that really organically without overthinking. And that, that was the song that came to me. Um, what emotions yeah. does that trigger? <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's, it's weird because I was so young at the time, I felt that was the question. I remember feeling um, like, I, I guess what I would now describe a connection where I didn't feel connected. Um, and, and, and like he was, he, he was telling a story that, that, that was sad and, and that felt meaningful and I wanted to belong to that, Yeah. Um, I, I think. It sounded yeah. otherworldly. Yeah, totally. It was really special. And I remember like, I tell him I'd play it over and over and over and over and over again. Are you obsessive like that with music? I can be a bit, yeah. And then I don't really listen to enough because I'll yeah. just listen to, to the stuff that I like. I'm the same with that. Yeah. Like, I've got a ridiculously big record collection, but if I, if I decide I'm going to paint the walls, 
I will go back to that album I've heard a million times. Yeah. Whereas I think, look, I've not heard that yet. I should stick that on and listen to it. But you kind of just obsess over like certain records. And I think, yeah. it's, I don't know. I just think I shouldn't. I should go and listen to new stuff. But but why do you think that is? Uh, it's probably attached to to fond memories and, yeah. and things that, it, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the term guilty pleasure. It's like... I wasn't cool when I was eight years old. I was not cool now. But I think, <laughs> but but there's them records that you just, you know, you almost feel embarrassed that you're bald. But yeah. when I hear that, however shit it is, yeah. it will take me to whether it's sitting in a mate's bedroom when I was 12 or whatever. And and I think, oh, there's nothing to be feel guilty about that. It's yeah, exactly. like, it's a pleasure because he's taking you somewhere that's, yeah. that's, that's, you know. And you enjoy it and you want to be there Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. How old would you have been when you heard uh, the Booji Banton track? I, I reckon I would have been six or seven. Mm-hmm. So I normally ask guests now, when you was growing up, was there music on at home? But if you've got a record label upstairs and a studio in the house, <laughs> and Lee, Lee Perry in the front room, <laughs> there's going to be some music on, right? Yeah. I mean, was it all-encompassing? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been aware of what I was hearing until I became aware of it. And yeah. I don't, I, it's hard for me to even gauge. Maybe I was older then. Mm. I, I know why that stood out. I don't know. But yeah, there was a lot of reggae, mm-hmm. a lot of dub. I mean, there's no surprises here. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise me. Was there anything that I wouldn't expect? <clears throat> Yeah, so... Was you watching Top of the Pops? And was you... you yeah, know, was, I was, 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 was pop Pops. music finding its I way through Kylie as Minogue. well? Yeah. <laughs> was that stuff finding its way through in such a house that was based yeah, around music? Yeah. Was you still kind of experiencing the music that perhaps your friends at school were listening yeah, to? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, Spice Girls, and mm. of course. And I was totally encouraged to do that and could play yeah. whatever I wanted. And, yeah. Um, but, it, but it wouldn't be playing in the studio. Yeah. You know, and I remember being, you know, a teenager and having to ask them to turn it down. You know, because I was, I was. It's like, meant to be the other way round. <laughs> and the, and the loops, you know, when someone's working on a track, yeah. just the. So I got that really, I just kind of repetition while you're trying to figure something out, yeah. rather than hearing, you know, uh, rather than my dad playing records for fun, it was stuff he was working on. Mm. I really remember. So just bass lines or them trying to figure it out, and that's a really different thing to listen to, mm. as opposed to. Just track after track sure. after track. And I, re- I I got into his music just personally. So I looked up stuff that would have been, you know, you know, kind of like tackhead stuff I, I love. And, oh, really? Yeah, and Barmy Army, all mad stuff that they did, yeah. the kind of really experimental dub stuff. My mum played a lot on it. So it means a lot to me. And well, I'm tackhead. Really, um, uh, well, I, I, I think all the stuff they did, like mm. Keys parts, yeah. yeah, and did a lot of the artwork. And, wow. Um, that's, yeah, a lot of her artwork, all those early sleeves. So I feel really proud of what they've done, and I, I explored it independently. Yeah. But growing up, I don't know if I was necessarily aware of what I was hearing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, there was loads of stuff. I remember that, a guy called Jesse Ray, and who, um, who, who, who's kind of dressed, dressed all the time in a kilt, and I never saw his face. And, you know, there was so much right, going hang on. on, hang on. You, you can't just... <laughs> Go past that like that. Never saw his face. No, because he always had a uh, helmet on. So he was always, wear- you know, he, he was dressing in sort of like, like, like uh, William Wallace. And then a kind of is, this in the, is this at home in the yeah, studio? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was always in it. So I'd never saw him, not in a kilt. Yeah. And he had a sword, right? And he'd bring, the, and he used to park his um, truck outside our house in Muswell Hill. And the neighbours were saying, who is that? And dad would explain, no, no, it's an artist that we're working with. In a helmet, a kilt, and a sword. Yeah, always in a helmet, um, a kilt, and a sword. And I was fascinated <laughs> by him. And he was like, if you make wishes um, on the sword, they'll come true. So I remember, like, oh, please bring a massive box of toys tomorrow. I'd talk to the sword. <laughs> and, and I just kind of wanted to be around him because yeah. he was like this weird, mysterious dude that yeah. sung through a mask. Um, <laughs> and his face I never saw. Yeah, and... And so that kind of stuff was going on, nothing to do with dub. Or like, um, you know, my dad worked with Sinead O'Connor and I got to see her sing, which is probably one of the most wow. moving, <clears throat> yeah, in, in, incredible singers I've ever heard in my life. I was out on Saturday night, um, just having some food, met some friends, and um, 
and we got chatting prints and then it, it got, the story got on to Sinead. Mm. And did you see the performance she'd done about four or five months ago on one of the Irish afternoon shows? No. And she sang Nothing Compares to You. Mm. And her voice is, I think she's got one of the greatest voices ever. Mm. And her voice had just aged a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't quite have the kick that it once had, but Power. it had something else that was just as enriching and beautiful. Oh, wow. I'd and like I to watched see it, it yeah. and I was like, oh, wow. And then, as you do when you go down these kind of YouTube holes, next to it was like a performance of her from like 87 or 88 mm. when, when that track. Uh, come out performing it live and oh, I honestly think it's one of the greatest vocals I've ever heard yeah. and I, I said to my mate I went look I said come away from the table a minute I've got to show you something Prince wrote it didn't he and he said like, that about her yeah. he said that she was one of the best singers he's ever and I was like mate yeah, just yeah. listen to that yeah. that's fucking insane, insane. it was yeah. just haunting amazing yeah. absolutely amazing and yeah, yeah and she's had obviously lots of Documented troubles, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Sinead yeah. O'Connor. But seeing her on TV a few months ago, and and you know, I, I, I don't. She, she seemed she seemed to come across like she was a lot better and happier, um, and her voice was was still wonderful. It really was. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk school, Denise. So for track oh, three, <laughs> the song that reminds you of your time at school. Yeah. Uh, I think I put MJ Cole. You did. Be sincere. Yeah, I love that track. So I did rave a lot. I loved drum and bass and jungle when I was a teenager and partied a lot and yeah, caused my parents a load of um, headache. And but that was that that I remember just chilling to, relaxing to when I came back after a night mm. out or yeah, I, I used to just have that track. On Sorry, loads. and you're at school at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I, I, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm honest about that. You know, I went yeah. out from really young and yeah. raved from really young, and yeah. Would you change any of that? No, not now. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think I, I wanted. To, I think I grew up very fast in in many ways, and yeah. then yeah, kind of <laughs> retired in many ways too. I don't mean it in yeah. a like. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just everything was really fast, and then I regretted that, and now I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you enjoy school? Did I enjoy school? It, um, no. Yes, yes and no. No, it wasn't an easy time. No. Why was that? Um, my parents had split up. Um, actually, I, I was living with my dad. My dad, I, I left my mum's when I was um, 13, 14, so things weren't great there. Um, and yeah, I, my dad, you know, me, it's me and my dad and it was great, but there was lots going on that I, I wouldn't share on here. And, you know, it, it was difficult to manage my emotions. And I don't think at school you've got, well, I, I don't think I know, um, you don't have an education about how the, how the heck to look after your emotions or to consider what love is, you know, or consent or all those yeah. things. And, um, yeah, friends around me and myself really struggled with all that stuff and boundaries and, you know, yeah, I had a great time going out, but, you know, probably put myself in, in danger quite a lot and, and chose company that on reflection was less than than healthy all the time um, and wanted to feel grown up but didn't know how to manage my emotions if I was And I did hang out with people that were a lot older than me. Yeah. Um, so it's hard because I feel like in that transition from going from being a kid to to a teenager is difficult and I've worked a lot with young people that's what I did for a long time before I'm doing what I do now because I think that time at school was really challenging I had a lot of fun yeah but it was wow it was really it was really um difficult yeah. to navigate through all my feelings without having any kind of guidance of course yeah. my that's not on the curriculum did, is it? it's not in the curriculum and yet you spend so much time at school and it'd be very useful to yeah. And all the stuff that is on the curriculum would work so much better. There you go. If there was something that was yeah, because it's getting in the way, it blocks you from being able to focus on yeah. that stuff. And I remember having really awkward sex education with this guy. I'm not even going to say his name, but he was just oh, it was all creepy and awkward. And helmet a kilt and a sword. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, God, no, that would be really weird. 
Um, yeah, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't what I mean. It wasn't about um, emotional well-being. So I think that's what that yeah. was, that's what paved the way for for what I do now for sure. Now I've spent my life definitely school. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a good circle of mates at school? I did. Yeah, I had I had a load of mates. I wouldn't say, you know, again. I mean, yeah, I I've got a few friends from then that mm. I'm still. Uh, my closest yeah. friends, um, which is amazing, right? It's very special. But the rest, no, they weren't so cool, actually. <laughs> because you mentioned earlier that um, that you're, you're mixed race uh, yeah. and that, you know, you at times felt different. Was, yeah. was that never more so than at school? No, I still feel it and and work through that. And, and I to, guess... To this day? Yeah, yeah, because of my upbringing, maybe, and because... Uh, yeah, just uh, mixed race. I don't know. I've, I, I explored that on my course. We we did a lot around diversity, and I'm I'm very proud of that, and and really work with that, and the work that I do really name the difference that's in the room. I think that's really yeah. important. Um, but yeah, I, I'm okay with that, with feeling different. I feel like a bit of a weirdo and not knowing my place. And I think I spent a lot of my time defending people that felt different, you know, or thinking I needed to. So. Do you think it gets easier to embrace the things that are different about yourself as you get older? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you'd hope so. And some people don't find it easier, you know. But I tell my kids all the time that. Yeah. Like, if they feel different or they feel like, oh, that's a bit weird, I'm like, you want to look back and think that's a really cool thing one day. How old are your kids? Uh, 17 and 14. And, uh, <laughs> me and three women in my house. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. Sometimes they often, you'll find me hiding in the room with the dog, just going. Fair enough. Oh, God, man, I can't say anything right today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, um, I want to know about uh, for track four, Denise. The first song that you remember buying from a record store. Yeah. I mean, I never really got into buying vinyl. It was always there. Yeah. You know, kind of. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like maybe that. And I. Um, I loved CDs, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, so what I can remember it being a, a flamenco record. Okay. Um, because I love flamenco, and I right. and I and I love. Um, I, I mean, God, I I I, I tried to do some flamenco lessons, and wow, the rhythm's insane. I really can't. Had that work out for you? I was useless. I'm totally <laughs> useless. Not a great dancer, or like following. You know, somebody teaching me yeah. steps. It's just, yeah. and that was so good. Annoyed it even more, but I love listening yeah. to and and the singing. I remember there's a, an amazing documentary called Gypsy Caravan, and um, uh, you know, from, from kind of gypsy tradition from India to to, to Spain, um, Romania, and there's this incredible Spanish singer. She wears a mask actually too, <laughs> when she's singing. It's a theme for me. <laughs> <laughs> The mystery and the emotion and the rawness. I love that in music. I yeah. do love uh, when m music that is that just makes me feel. Yeah. Where I'm like, I can't think anymore. Yeah. I'm just and and that woman and flamenco when it's done well and live and and yeah. with the dancing and just that rawness of emotion and and I find that beautiful and powerful. So I bought it because I like the cover. Yeah. And I've still got it. Yeah. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast see you on the other side and around this time when you know at school and stuff like <coughs> what did you want to be what did i want to be i didn't know and that's another thing that, that I, I really wanted to, to do in my work with young people, just really be open to having those conversations. I was so lost. I wanted to get over anxiety and survive that because it was crippling. Um, I wanted to find something mean meaningful to do. I thought I wanted to sing. Mm -hmm. And I liked singing, but I didn't like being on a stage. 
I didn't really... What didn't you like about that? I didn't like... Um, I don't actually need to be on a stage and being seen and everyone watching me and... and, and Do you like attention? Do I like attention? I like attention if I feel like... I like people paying attention to the things that matter to me and being heard mm -hmm. and feeling like I'm being connected with sure. that kind of attention. Um, I don't feel comfortable with other kinds of attention and yeah. it felt like the other kinds of attention were um, there on the stage for me. Yeah. And it's interesting, I do a lot of work with artists around this and, and performance anxiety and what it is, is for each person is very different and mm -hmm. what it's made up of and what it's linked to is, is quite complicated. It's not just one thing. So you've... Your your specialist area in, mm. in what you do now is mm. I work in the I work exclusively with people in the music industry as a counsellor. So, and that covers. Like, can you can you sort of explain a little bit sort mm. of more about that for people that you know and myself that are, yeah, are yeah. unaware of the sort of extent of, of of what that covers. Well, okay, so so I run my own private practice. Um, I'm a humanistic person centred counsellor. So, a lot of the time, people go for counselling. They think it's just counseling I don't really know what they're looking for but there are different approaches different modalities different ways in which people practice it's not the kind of Freudian idea where you sit on a couch and your therapist doesn't look at you it can be mm. um, I'm not a psychotherapist um, I chose not to train in psychotherapy I, I, I respect it for what it is um, I had some some psychotherapy I had some you know kind of Freudian um, psychotherapy to it when I was younger and actually didn't benefit me or help me particularly there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, a humanistic person-centered approach is kind of the core of counseling. Um, it's very much about believing that the client ultimately has the answers within them, but perhaps yeah. they are hidden from their own wisdom and... and you, you as the counsellor are there to create a space mm -hmm. of, of empathy and of trust and non-judgment and to reflect back what the client is saying and to help the client come to their own conclusions, essentially. And so I, I've done this training and because of my background and what I've shared about how I grew up and the fact that you know, I'm, I'm married to a manager... A lot of my friends are in the music industry, my family. Your husband's a manager in the music industry? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, I recognise a great need for specialist services. And so I work in a person-centred way. I have a greater empathy, I guess, because of my background, and I'm driven to support people in the industry, so I set up my private practice. I became a spokesperson for Help Musicians UK, um, speaking about my background and about the work that I do with clients, but I'm working a lot with people across the industry. So I never disclose anything, but I can speak about general themes. 
Um, and I work for an organisation called the British Association in Performing Arts Medicine on the Healthy Touring Programme. Um, so, uh, yeah, with all the, I'm doing workshops. I'm doing one at the MU on the 20th of March about keeping well um, in the music industry. So that's my interest. I'm learning all the time. I'm connecting to people that are in the industry asking, you know, what their experience is too, because it's quite new. You know, going out there and saying, Yo, you know, the, the industry that's, that's generally perceived as being a really fun, glamorous place to be if you're working and you haven't got a real job. It's like, yo, wait a minute, let's, let's reevaluate that, especially when artists are killing themselves um, and, and uh, are ill with substance misuse, uh, misuse issues and uh, riddled with insecurity um, and anxiety. Um, you know, it's a weird world where you have to be validated by others and you have to constantly put yourself out there, often you, if you're singing what you're writing too, a vulnerable part of you, expose yourself on stage, there needs to be, and this is all the work that the people that I'm working with and myself are doing, space for those artists to realise they can honour themselves and look after themselves within that process. And th there should be something uh, in, in place there. You know, for, if you worked in this, this building we're in now, if you worked in one of the other companies that worked here in, in, a, you know, in, in a more uh, sort of corporate environment and and you felt unwell yeah there'd be an infrastructure to support you you'd hope so to yeah. help rest you to help rehabilitate you yeah in the music industry if you go on a reality tv show and within a period of eight weeks you're a household name mm. you've probably had people you thought were your friends tell stories on you mm. and and god knows whatever else and then you're suddenly not in that show anymore. Mm. That's a very fast rise, a very quick drop. I'm just choosing reality TV yeah, show as an example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but these people aren't prepared for no. any of that. And no. is there something in place to ensure that when they're no. cut from that show, someone's there to catch them and go, this could be quite unpleasant. This is maybe what we can look at doing. Or are they just kind of left to, 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 to get on with it? And, and there'll be... You know, that's a hell of a lot for young, not just young, but just people that are really striving to achieve something and, and see an opportunity and throw themselves in. Mm. And and if you end up, you know, being cast off, that seems to be the, the general vibe for a lot of these reality TV mm. shows. That's a horrible place to land, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, well, suddenly you're just not relevant. Yeah. And I think that happens in the industry, you know, yeah. a lot. You know, you might have a, a, a period where you're, you're smashing it, you're really successful. You know, you get older, you're not, you're not so happening anymore. Or, and or, I think yeah, more so than ever, Denise, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the days, you know, when I was younger, when, when bands got signed, maybe the first album didn't do great, mm. but then the second album done a bit better mm. and the label was pushing it, you know, and then by the, the third album, they, they'd really kind of found their way. If your first album don't shift units, you ain't getting a second one. Yeah, bye-bye. Like, that's it. Mm. And you just think... Plus, you've got social media. Yeah. Constantly watching you, talking about you, and you've got to constantly post yeah. about what you're doing. So there's... And for people of all ages, you know, um, it, it's really stressful in different ways. Um, and sustaining a career, feeling secure financially... Um, yeah, and if you have got great success, which everyone wants, how do you manage that? Mm. Your ego, you know, your, you know, people liking you and loving you, and then suddenly you're, you're on your own in, in your mm. bedroom after show, and you've got no one to call, and you know, you don't know who to trust. Paranoia, yeah. competition. It, it's an industry that needs support. So yeah. But to lots of armchair critics, their response to that is probably like. Well, you've, you've, you're famous. What more do you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've chosen it. Get yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think you know, th their life's a problem. And, and I think... <sighs> I, ju I just feel that there's, there, there should be, and, and, you know, and credit to, to yourself and, 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 and Adam and people like that that are trying to kind of look out for... Because to, to choose a creative path, you know, is no less difficult, if not just, to, you know just as hard as to, to reach the top of a ladder in a corporate business. Do you know what I mean? And Absolutely. And, and there's, 
yeah, as I said, in, in them kind of businesses, there's there's support and mm. there's and, and I don't feel that there is in lots of the creative industries and I think it's really important that people like you doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Track five. Yeah. Let's go clubbing. The song that soundtracked your years in Clubland. Yeah. I chose Can you remember? There were a few. You can throw some mixed ones in there. Yeah. I think there's quite a few. Which one did I choose? You went for Alex Reese. Yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I always remember everything really by I have to like research what I what you know, what I can hear in my head. Yeah. I'm not great at remembering the names of yeah. anybody or yeah. any music in general. But yeah, it's drum and bass and jungle, mm. basically. Camden Palace, which is now uh, Coco. And I was in Camden the other day. It's so weird. Like we were saying earlier on, just how different everyone well, is. It's fire damaged as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There was, dodgy, uh, yeah. I think it's being rebuilt, as I believe. Yeah, like, yeah. But I was just always there. Yeah, well, And it was um, drum and bass and jungle. And, and I loved garage. I loved two-step garage. Um, yeah. And I'm 35, so I guess that was... Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> what did you want from clubbing? Well, <clears throat> so funny. I just spoke about that in the cab on the way here. Why this? Uh, I had like two Ubers where they're just talking to me about God and <laughs> and uh, yeah, and asking for forgiveness. I'm like, God, I, why, what is it about my face? Where's that come from? But uh, and I said to him, he asked the same question, and I said, we're talking about we went past. I said connection. I said, yeah, I guess I loved. Um, being in a room full of people from all walks of life and everyone was, you know, having a nice time, hugging and... and, and Yeah, community and that, that kind of shamanic tribe, you know, that, that yeah. meeting um, in love and unity. And, um, yeah, that's definitely it, connection. Did and it feel I, rebellious, drum and bass? Did it feel rebellious? I mean... Because if you was clubbing at a young age, did that feel yeah. did that feel dangerous? Did that feel rebellious? Yeah, yeah. I guess it would, I guess it's rebellious. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess because my my upbringing was so unusual and alternative, I wasn't rebelling in say the same way maybe maybe my mates sure. were. But I did feel rebellious. Yeah, it was exciting. We were out and yeah. you know, and most of the time I was very honest about where I was going. Uh, they were quite liberal. It wasn't like I wasn't allowed to, yeah. to go. But yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I felt rebellious and. Do you think that? That kind I of felt grown up, right? And I felt, I felt, I actually felt like, a, yeah, I felt grown up. That's more it. I felt old. I wanted to be, I wanted to be free from school and the kind of institution and being told what to do by them, not home. And I wanted to just go and live and, you know, figure stuff out. And um, you're confident. You know what? I'm an introverted extrovert. I think, as someone said the other day, I'm. I'm very. I can be very quiet and very nervous and insecure and, and very powerful and very confident and very loud when I need to be. That's a good combo. You hope so, yeah. Then if my husband would say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He might, he might be too scared to. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so favourite song from an artist, uh, artist from your home county? From my home county? Well, I chose Portishead. Right. I just my my country. You I thought country. You yeah, won't be the first, and certainly not the last. Brain. And I was just thinking. That's my dyslexia. Oh, tight. Where's the Bristol connection here? Like, oh, there is, but that's not. Oh, damn it. Denise, Sorry about that. Denise, you're probably about the twentieth person okay. that's done that, so don't right. worry. Right. Good. Good. That, I makes, need that to, makes me feel. I, when better. I send these questions over to us, I should be more <laughs> precise on that one because it's always the one where people go. I just thought country. Yeah. Let's go country. It's fine. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I chose Portishead and I chose Dummy. It's quite an intense track. It's an amazing track. But I love it. Yeah, I love that album mm. so much. I know so many people do. Yeah. And that's an album I played over and over again when I was a teenager and in that, that zone. And I, I can't listen to it now so easily. Why's that? I don't know. And, and especially that track, it makes me cry. I really, oh, I, I think it... I know that she suffered a lot with um, depression. Beth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw. I got to see her perform a couple of times. She's incredible live as well. Just amazing. The 
the live album live at the oh, Rose God, Bowl, yeah. is it, or wherever it is in, in, in America. Oh, like when she performs, it's the track Roads. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, it's. She just, it's. That's what I meant. Sorry, can't anybody see? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the track I mean. Roads. I'm, talking, I'm referring to the album. Yeah. It's, just, it's my my brain yeah yeah roads yeah sorry. high five that because that's yeah, the best sorry. one that's the oh, best thank one thank you not many people think that <laughs> always roads always that's for me but other, yeah. I, I, we, I, I, nobody else really thinks that yeah. it's um it's the other it's the other tracks i can't remember the name i just know them by singing them Glo- glory box and yeah but that for me is such a deep 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 track and when and yeah it just makes me cry and 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 the way that she um she sings and just her delivery and um, There's no performance, no, she, but you're transfixed her. in her, hunched over that, that mic yeah. with her fag on the go. Fag, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just how her body is all yeah. curled up around it's the contorted mic. Contorted around that mic, but isn't she's it? not perform. That's not a facade. That's yeah. no act. That's just yeah. her bringing, yeah. you know, something so personal and so painful. Clearly, and she can she can communicate that. And I'm so grateful and in awe of her for being able to do that you know because all the times that you have to hide those you know I've, I've been depressed and it's probably why I do what I do you know it's kind of a wounded healer of course it is and um and that darkness is so lonely and just you know yeah she, she's just incredible mm. and and Porter said I mean just the you know the produ- the production and the sound and the it's, intensity is just it's intense isn't it it's, it's yeah, such it a is. And I get the same from Tricky. Mm. It's like it's claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah. And it and it's and it's not necessarily an easy listen. That's why I yeah. can't listen to it all the time so much anymore. And and I, I totally agree. Yeah. And and there's there's just every now and again it comes on. I just think, do you know what? I, I'm not, not in the mood no. for this. <laughs> like it's too much. And and yeah. I absolutely fucking adore them albums. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes I just think, no, not I now. don't really want this no. today. Like because no. it's just. It's all encompassing and it kind of, it rattles your brain and it kind of triggers thoughts sometimes. You think, I don't really fancy them thoughts today. I'm going to leave that well alone. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, just those feelings and maybe you've come really far. You know, I definitely grown grown a lot from that melancholy, that that kind of, that that space that that really served me in that time. And I didn't feel, she, she, she healed, that was so healing for me. That, you know, that way that music does that to know that you're not alone and that somebody else can, can sing and say what you you've been feeling but you didn't even know how to begin to express yeah. you know that gratitude for that is just immense yeah. um, and that's how i feel about roads and the album dummy <laughs> um how do you approach singing and making music now any different to how you did when you started this album difficult. i really struggle with it i never I, I really struggle with it. And you know what? It's interesting. I, you know, I've said this to my dad. So it's not, Making an album with your dad, as much as we are very good friends, he is my dad. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I you know, there were times where, you know, I'd get on the mic and he, he's in the room or he's in the other room and, you know, you've got to put a bit of sexy in or a bit of sultry or whatever. And I, 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 I couldn't um, explore. This is in hindsight. My voice or... And I don't want to block him because he was—he is—he was very encouraging. And I come with a song, even if it, you know afterwards I was cringing about it's a bit shit. You know? And he'd be like, "Well, I'm not too sure." And I'm really, you know, I'm quite—I'd say to him, "No, I'm gonna—we're gonna try this." And poor thing put actually loads into sessions where I was always like, "Squash it! I hate it!" You know. So the amount of times that happened, then there are other times where I felt blocked and I wasn't able to um, <laughs> to. Um, bring what I wanted to bring and I'd like to be able to explore that I think yeah. in the next five years work you know away from him now with yeah. all due respect now this is it is what it is yeah. there are other, Mark Stewart I don't know if you know you know I don't know Mark Stewart is um, a great writer he he was uh, um, um, Mark Stewart and the Mafia is kind of the punk um, time he's a great writer and he's written some tracks and another amazing writer called Lee Kenny who wrote for Faithless and I've got some amazing writers on there but because I was a bit scared or blocked to write so that that frustrates me a bit 
Um, I wrote, I wrote, you know, the melody on those tracks, and then there's a few that I've written that I'm proud yeah. of. But the process I find really difficult. Um, yeah. I just, you say I'm working with your dad, and 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 it, it's really weird. When I decided I was going to learn to drive, my dad went, "I'll teach you." I think we got about 30 metres up the road <laughs> and he was like, I ain't doing this. Do this. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's all yeah, You know each other and too. Like, and yeah, yeah too... and like, that was it. That was the, the beginning and the end of my dad teaching me to drive and I had to go and get driving lessons because it's too close. Yeah. And so that must be super different as well if you're singing songs with, you know, in, emotional investment as well. And, yeah. and, and, and that's your dad. It's, yeah. it's weird, isn't it? It must be a very sort of strange environment. To... Yeah, and also child-parent relationships. You, you yeah. check in with them, don't you? You always go, is that all right? Yeah. You know, and I was 17, 8. I toured with him. Yeah. With him and, and Blur, which was amazing. I was yeah. 17. So I was I was under his... You know, I, I did want to check it, yeah. uh, what I was doing was yeah. good enough. But then that, without it being anyone's fault, you know, it, it then was difficult to figure out what was me. And yeah. we've got this this album... I'm 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 proud of it. You know, my, my partner's about to release it. He's just like, stop being negative. You know, we've got to, we've got to put positivity behind this, and and you know, it it will. No one knows who I am. A few strange people follow on your sound. So I'm only joking. Great people, but um, yeah, it how, will. Uh, yeah. How was that at 17? You say going on tour with Blur. I did. Yeah. I, yeah. I did. I did some. So w when was this? 90. Or was it? Oh, please, it's my. I'm, I'm 35 now, so. So. Uh, I mean. I did Wolverhampton, Brixton Academy, um, and somewhere else up north. Arguably one of the biggest bands yeah. in the country at that point, if yeah. not still. Yeah. How was that for a 17 year old? Terrifying. Right, okay. And I tracked myself a couple of times. Do you know, we had a mad experience. We were with um, a family friend called Ghetto Priest, who's, who's like Rasta kind of East End. Yeah. Um, I love this. I love this. I love the fact that my mates are called Darren and yours are called <laughs> Ghetto Priest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your world sounds so much more colourful and interesting. No, I've got, mate, I've got a mate called Darren too. It's my dad's mates. You know, but, but him and I were on stage together, okay? Yeah. And there was some, rate, there was some idiot that's there to see an indie white band and they're like who's this yeah. sort of Chinese girl and this yeah. rasta with this bald <laughs> skinhead looking fella yeah. playing dub <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they spat on the stage fuck it was off really, really? awful oh yeah and, and shouted something I don't even want to repeat fuck and hell it was, and that was the first show and I was singing live and um, at 17 yeah yeah just wow. turned and I think that that really shook me up and and you know the three of us and 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 he got you know ghetto priest got so angry anyway he came off the stage and then I I I was crying yeah I cried and I cried and so no. I couldn't do my next track and then dad just stayed out and finished the set and I think they, I think some of the fans up where we were up north were confused. Like, why are they the support act? What, 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 why are they here when we've come to see Blur? What are yeah. they doing? Um, they weren't happy about it. Open your ears and your minds. Yeah. Right. Denise, you play DJ now. The song that many may not know yeah. that you want them to From hear. the album. Of course. I wrote Hype it. it. I wrote it. I'm very proud of it. Um... It's called Let Me In, and uh, yeah, my, my good friend um, Ed Thomas did a kind of Portis heady production around it, and I think it would be the single, we've still got to decide. I'll send you a copy of my album, I hope you listen to it. Please. Let me know your honest opinion, and that track, yeah, means a lot to me. So. What's it about? What's it about? Well, it is about um, a few people in my life who were having real problems with drugs um, and they changed a lot and they kind of, all these, all three of these people that, that were in my head when I wrote the track had kind of become like ghosts in their own body. It was very scary and a kind of a numbness and a removed sense uh, when I was around them and, and we'd been 
so connected and, and, and loved each other so much. So the track um, is about that and, and, and um, talking about something, stalking them and, and, and asking them to, to let me in. With them, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, the album's out when? That's a good question. I haven't decided. It's only going to master next week. Okay. Can you imagine after all this time? Do you know what it feels really important? Nobody's probably going to really care about it. Um, but <laughs> shouldn't from, say that. Me, well, maybe they will. Who knows? It might find some some fans. I'm glad I always say, might find they'll find the right people. Um, but for me, I, I think it's going to be really significant letting it go, and and and. Yeah, and forever I can hold it, you know, and and, and uh, I create that with my family, not just my dad, you know, lots of people around who I adore, and that means... It's a document, isn't it's it? It's a document, yeah. And I give it to my son, and, you know, it means, totally. it means more to... That's, that's it's very special, so I'm excited about it, really excited, yeah. Counselling, where can people find out about what you do? So, I've got a very long-winded name uh, on Instagram. I should probably change that. Uh, counseling. I thought I'd set up a page to try and promote just... I know it's not really the platform for that, platform space for that. Um, there's not kind of counsel, like kind of, Well, I guess there, there are. There should always coaches be space for, and, for that, Yeah, I'm so sure. why not? But my, my, my website is uh, info at denisedevonishcounselling.co.uk and information about... Um, me and what, what I do is there and I work in Muswell Hill so I, I, I run my private practice on a Monday and a Tuesday I'm probably going to have to expand to Wednesday soon um, and I offer uh, telephone and Skype counselling and get in contact with Help Musicians UK they've got a 24 hour helpline um, for, for anybody that's interested musicians that, are, that will listen um, uh, you can call 24 hours a day and you can speak to therapists who all have a background in the industry, are all very well qualified, um, and talk through if you're feeling, um, you know, stress or like you're, you're, or if you're burnt out, you're gonna burn out and you want some support, um, they can signpost you um, and you can call whenever you need. And also BAPAM, the British Association of Performing Arts Medicine, they are incredible too as our music support. Um, who work more around the addiction side of things, um, all organisations that I'm affiliated with and proud to be. And, and yeah, get in touch with me for one-on-one -on -one counselling and support. If Well, if it's all right with you, I'll tag you in uh, all the posts when this comes out yeah, so, people can, that, uh, so yeah. people can find you. Much appreciated, yeah. Denise, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me, yeah. There you have it. So much fun. What a fascinating life Denise has had. And... So impressive that all of the things that she's learned on her journey, she's decided to to put back in and and and, and use these as, as as skills to to help others. Like, absolutely wonderful. So do go and check out um, Denise on the social media and Denise's website. Just just go and have a look because it's uh, a really important thing that she's doing. And uh, and I hope you had as much fun listening to that podcast as I did uh, recording it. Um, since speaking to Denise, um, I've reached out to uh, her father. So hopefully we'll have Adrian Sherwood, uh, producer extraordinaire, uh, on an upcoming episode as well. So uh, fingers crossed for that one. Have a lovely week and I will see you next week for another episode. Bye-bye. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out.
So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.